In Exodus chapter 20, and like I said, we'll do verses 4 through 6 today. We're going to talk about the second commandment, or I guess we could call it commandment number two, however you want to phrase that. Uh, and last week we had discussed a little bit and uh, at depth the first commandment, and that was about loving the Lord our God and, and nobody else, that we could have no other gods before Him, okay? And we'll see how these two commandments kind of tie together, but there is a, a distinct difference between the two, and that's why they're separated. But uh, let's pray this morning and ask the Lord's blessing over His Word and, and the blessing for us to receive it in the way He wants us to, that we may grow by it. Amen. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. Once again, we give you thanks for this awesome privilege and opportunity to be gathered with your children. We thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, now we just pray that our hearts and minds would be open, that our ears would be open to hear what the Word of God teaches us today. And help us, Lord, to, to expound upon your Word and what you would give us to say, Lord, and let us be your mouthpiece today. We ask all these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, we, we talked last week about the first commandment was to have no other gods except the Lord God of, of heaven, the Lord God of the Bible, okay? And so today we're going to deal a little bit more with uh, how we worship God, and that's talking about the, the, the worship of idols. And we'll get into that. Maybe you don't really know exactly what this means or whatever, but hopefully we'll be able to teach you that today. <clears throat> so let's look at Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6, and then we'll talk a little bit about those, okay? So Exodus 20 and 4, this is, begins the second commandment. It says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, who, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So we talked last week about we can have no other God except the Lord. Amen. And here he begins to talk about, I don't want you to start making any kind of replicas or anything or any images of anything you can see to try to say that that represents me. And that's what a, basically an idol is. And so let me get started with just some of the notes that the Lord gave me through the week. This started coming early on in the week, so we've got a lot of good things, I believe, to share with you. All human beings have the desire to worship something. If you'll stop and think about that, even from an early age, little kids and people, even when they grow into be adults, there's something within our hearts that we want to heap praise on somebody. We want to worship somebody or something. And people will worship, usually I guess, I just broke this down into one of four things. They'll worship the God of the Bible, which is good, that's right. Or they'll worship false gods. They'll also worship angels or spirits. Or they'll worship idols. And what we decide to worship has an eternal consequence. We must make God the object of our worship and Him alone. And that's the title of today's lesson, the object of our worship. What is the object of our worship? God has just declared, and He's very serious about this. This is one of the commandments that He gives an actual condemnation that if you break this commandment, it's not going to go well for you or your descendants on down the road. So what he's talking about here is the importance of us not worshiping things that we can see, okay? 
So the second commandment deals with the worship of idols. Sadly, human beings want to worship what we see. You ever thought about that? We want to worship what we can see. <clears throat> idols are a vain attempt to manifest a supernatural God into the natural realm. When people go and make a totem pole or some type of little statue and say, okay, this is our God, they're trying to bring God into the natural realm so that we can be able to look and see Him and therefore honor Him that way. There's a major problem with a God we can see and a God we can touch. It can be manipulated, can't it? If you can take a piece of wood and carve it into something and say that's God, and then someone else could grab it and throw it in the fire and it disappear and turn into ashes, was that really God? No. That's why God is so adamant that we don't worship things we can see. Idols can be part of creation, such as the sun, the moon, the stars. We'll talk about those in a moment. They can also be things created by man, such as statues or buildings or relics. And by extension, we'll learn about this later too, idols can also be people, including ourselves. And we'll get into those in a moment. The second commandment stresses to us that God is invisible and cannot be seen with natural eyes. God has also declared in His Word that we must live by faith and not by sight. God is spirit and we must worship Him in spirit. If we could see God, then we can manipulate Him. We have to remember that God dwells in heaven outside of time and space and cannot be manipulated by human beings. Amen. He is from above and we are from beneath. Therefore, God demands that we do not worship things we can see. If you would, just for a moment, I'm only going to have you to flip to this one other place. Just flip right on over in your Bible, just a couple of books, to Deuteronomy chapter 4. And I'd just like for you to see it yourself. I could read it to you, but I'd like for you to see it yourself. So Deuteronomy 4, it's just over a couple more books, still in the law of Moses. And I wanted to read this to you. This is a recap and more of a, when, when Moses was recapping the, the, the law and the Ten Commandments, he said this statement here in Deuteronomy 4 to further emphasize this thing about idols. So Deuteronomy 4 and verse 15. I'll give you just a moment to find your places. Deuteronomy 4. <coughs> So in Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 4 and verse 15, Moses, like I said, he's recapping the, the parts of the law that were very important. And it says this in Deuteronomy 4 and 15. Let's read these together. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form. Key words there are no form. When the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And in verse 19, And take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them. And these are things which the Lord your God has given to all peoples under 
the whole heaven as a heritage. He was telling them right up front there was going to be a possibility that man was going to eventually come along and say, you know, look how magnificent the sun is and the moon and the stars. Maybe that's God. Let's worship the sun. Let's worship the moon. Let's worship the stars. Let's worship the constellations. And they were strictly forbidden that this is off limits. Amen. So let's talk about those just for a moment. The idols in the heavens or the idols in the sky. A lot of Bibles, newer, newer versions of the Bible, and uh, uh, call this astrology or divination. It's meaning the, the worship of the, the stars and the sky and the, the sun, the moon, those kinds of things. So there were many times in the Bible, it's recorded in the Bible, that there were people who worshipped the sun, the moon, and the stars as if they were God. And this isn't much of an issue today. You don't hear people say, well, I'm going to go worship the sun today. We don't really have that kind of an issue, but it is still an issue about having idols of things in the heavenlies. Amen. However, we must beware of things like wishing on lucky stars, following horoscopes, etc., etc., etc. These things attribute good fortune and blessing to signs in the sky or in the heavens. They replace God as our source of blessing with chance occurrences based on luck. I'll give you an example. Horoscopes are determined by zodiac signs based on the position of the sun throughout the year. Depending where the sun's at is what sign you're in. And according to this theory, everything in our life is predetermined by when we were born and nothing can change it. Your attitude, your personality, all those kinds of things are just defined by your horoscope sign. That's what people believe. The thing is, is that stuff's very vague. You could very easily fit into any one of those categories. God warned us. In the, in the Bible, not to follow those things. Here's something for us to remember. That theory teaches that, well, it just depends when you were born. Whatever month you were born and what day, that determines how your life will go and who you'll be able to get along with and yada, 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 all that stuff. But this theory is in direct conflict with the Bible, which teaches that God made us who we are. Hallelujah. Let me read you another one. If you just wanted to make a note, you don't have to turn there. But over in Psalm 139, I'm going to read you a couple verses. The whole chapter is a good one to read if you want to mark it down in your notes. But listen to what a Psalm of David says in the Word of God. Psalm 139, 5 and 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when, I, when as yet there was none of those days had taken place. So to... Follow horoscopes in the position of the sun or the position of the moon for our blessing or for our well-being in life or whatever is in direct conflict with the Word of God. God had you to be born when you were born. And He has a plan for your life and it will be performed in its due time. Amen. Praise God. It also contradicts the teachings of Jesus. The most elementary point of the Christian faith is what? To be born again. 
Amen? And be made a new creature. So to give this position of the sun and the stars a hold on me and saying that I could never break free from that, I just can't help when I was born. That's just who I am, what I am. Sure, we can help it. The Bible says we can be born again. Jesus made that very clear. So it contradicts the teachings of Jesus, which say we can be born again and made a new creation. Very important statement this morning. None of these superstitions based on astrology have any power to change the course of our lives for good or bad. Therefore, reject all of them. Don't give those things a hold on you. It's divination. It's the study of astrology. It's all those things. There's also idols in the earth. Remember when we read there in Deuteronomy, there's idols in the earth. Several different ways we could look at it, but I broke it down into kind of like three things. Idols that are in the earth are what we call gods <coughs> with a lowercase g, okay? What people determine to be gods, okay? Lowercase g. These are man-made interpretations of God. The golden calf that Aaron made in the wilderness is an example of this. The people referred to the golden calf as the Israelite God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt and Aaron even built an altar and offered sacrifices to it. While Moses was on the mountain getting this very law that we're discussing, he took a little longer than they thought. So they got all upset and said, well, we don't know what happened to Moses. Make us a God that we can follow. And the very first high priest, Moses' brother Aaron, said, take your earrings out of your ear, and golden earrings, give them to me, and I'll put them in the fire. And he molded them down, and the Bible says he took an engraving tool, and he made this golden calf. <clears throat> you want to know how upset God was about this? If you read on over there in that part of uh, uh, Exodus, over in I think verse chapter 32, I believe is where that happened. You read on over there, God was so upset that He told Moses, Moses, you need to get out of my presence. Get back down there with those stiff-necked people you've brought out of Egypt. He said, because I'm going to consume them all and I'll make of you a great nation. I'm going to start over. And then Moses, being the pastor that he was, he said, well now, Lord, he pleaded with the Lord, Lord, if you do this, then all these other nations and these people in Egypt will say, well, He just brought them out here to let them die. He said, we don't want to do that. So God said, okay, go down and I'll give you further instructions. Now, you want to know how mad Moses got when he got down there and saw with his own eyes what was going on? The very tablets of stone that God had written these Ten Commandments on, he got mad and threw them on the ground and broke them. Mm, hallelujah. And then he went to his brother Aaron and said, What in the world have you done? And Aaron made a little fib and he made a lie. I believe he was the first person I pick it and carry on about this. It's not really funny, but it is kind of funny, I guess. I believe Aaron in the Bible was the first person to believe in evolution. That things just happened by themselves. Because when he explained to Moses what happened, he said, well, these people, you know, they brought me their earrings and stuff, and I put the gold in the furnace, and out come this calf. You want to know how upset Moses was? He took that calf and put it back in the fire, burned that gold into nothing but dust and powder, then he took it and put it on all their drinking water, their source of water, and he made every one of them drink from it. They had worshipped that calf. It's no small thing when we worship a false god or an idol that we have made with our own hands. Amen? We can also have idols in this earth that are <coughs> statues or buildings or something that we've made. <coughs> 
They're man-made replicas of people or things created to honor someone special. Now, there's nothing wrong with honoring special people. That's okay. That of itself is not worshiping an idol. But when we all of a sudden start building replicas and building statues of people, we're treading on thin ice. We better be real, real careful. Because the Bible actually said there in, in Deuteronomy, it says, don't make the image of anything, a male, a female, period. Okay? Just don't do it. Because it becomes then a temptation to honor and worship people. Okay? Many times, think about this. Many times when statues are officially revealed, you ever notice that, that people will build a statue and they have an official reveal and they got it covered up with this big cloth or something and they have a bunch of people gather around and all of a sudden the unveiling happens. It's going to be revealed to the world and they pull the cloth off and it's some type of a statue, an animal, a person riding an animal, a, a person standing there or holding a trophy or whatever the case may be. And you know what the people say about that person that's being honored? They are now forever immortalized. Why would we say that? Why would mankind do that? It's because the devil is playing a trick on them that they could very easily now say, oh, well, we just, let's pray to this. This was a good guy. He had the answers while he was here. Let's pray to this statue. Let's look to this statue for guidance. It's a very easy line to cross building statues and replicas of people. Think about this. I've noticed this in a lot of sports. I'm a sports guy. I like most all kinds of sports. I love the, the competition of it, racing and football and baseball and all that stuff. But they've all now got this thing called Hall of Fame for all these different sports. And they make these statues or what they call busts, which is the person's head from about here up, out of bronze, and they put them in the Hall of Fame when they're inducted and they say they'll be forever immortalized in this hall of fame why do we need a statue why not just a picture or why not just a plaque with their name and when they played something to think about isn't it we see how on the fence we sometimes are with idols even in our world today amen we should be very careful honoring people by building statues in their likeness. Be very, very careful with that. I would advise, in my opinion, would be just don't do it. A lot of things going on in our country. People's upset. Well, this statue's been here for 150 years, and now they're taking it down. I'm not getting into the whether I think it's right or wrong. It doesn't really matter to me. But as far as in God's eyes, you made a statue that you thought was going to last forever, and another generation come and took it down. That just proves it really wasn't that big of a deal anyway. So that's probably why the Lord says, just don't do that stuff. Amen. Something biblically in the New Testament to think about that ties in with this, having statues and buildings to commemorate people. When Jesus was transfigured, Peter, James, and John saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus, talking with him, right? You read that story and it's, it's an odd story in the Bible until you start getting into some of this stuff and you realize what God was trying to show us. So Jesus was transfigured and he was seen there in all his glory, okay? And there was seen Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then when the situation was over, everybody was gone except Jesus. But here's an interesting point I want to point out. Peter wanted to build there three tabernacles on that exact spot to commemorate the occasion. 
He said, Lord, it's good that we're here. Let's build us three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. This is awesome. And you know how what Jesus said? He didn't even answer that question. It was the one question that I've found in the Bible, Jesus didn't even give a response. And the next thing you know, there's Jesus standing alone. What is this teaching us? Jesus is not concerned with relics. He's not concerned with statues. He's not concerned with buildings. Amen? We have to remember that. Jesus didn't even answer the question because He knows that God is not bound to locations where special things take place. Amen? So we have to be very careful in building statues and buildings and things to commemorate special people, even if it is Jesus Himself. Jesus didn't want any part of that. Amen? Amen. And the other thing that we have as idols in this world, in, in the earth, is relics. Relics are items from the past that connect us with God. Something that's sentimental to us. That, oh, okay, I remember this, blah, blah, blah. These items are not necessarily evil, but can cause us to think God will show favor if we possess them. Oh, well, if I've got this symbol of God, then God will be on my side and He'll show me favor. It has nothing to do with what we possess. The only possession we have that matters to God is whether we possess Jesus on the inside. Amen? It's not about anything we can own with our hands and, and feel and see. Couple good examples. Crucifixes and crosses are a good example of this. A cross around our neck, that's a good thing. It's a symbol of our faith. But we have to remember one thing it has no power. That gold or silver or wooden cross that we wear around our neck or we place on our wall at our home or whatever the case may be, it has no power. It's just something to remind us. So we don't put a lot of trust and faith in relics. Amen. In some cases, relics may even be thought of as something holy. Think about the Shroud of Turin. You ever heard the stories about that? And It was supposedly the linen cloth that Jesus' body was wrapped in when He was put in the tomb. And now people are like, oh, if I could just see that. If I could just touch that, my faith would increase. No, it's a relic. It was just an earthly piece of linen that Jesus happened to wear. Amen? Well, where's Jesus now? He don't need clothing, does he? He's clothed in righteousness at the right hand of the Father. Amen? Getting to see or touch things like this is of no spiritual benefit. Jesus no longer needs it because He's risen from the dead. Therefore, I don't need it. I just need Him. Amen? See, we can turn relics into an idol. Oh, if I could just touch that relic. No, it doesn't work that way. And the Ark of the Covenant is another good example. Because of, the, of its significance in their history, the Israelites thought that just having it with them would ensure military victories. Did you know that? In 1 Samuel chapter 4, a very interesting thing happens. There's a priest in Shiloh named Eli, and he has two sons that are priests, and they're completely evil. 
Some of the things they had done, when you read in that story, it's unbelievable that they could be right there where the, the presence of God was with the Ark of the Covenant and doing the things that they were doing. And Ahab was causing all Israel to sin because of this. Well, they went to have a battle with the Philistines. And they got... Men died that day. And the religious people that they were, they thought, well... It's because the ark wasn't with us. We're down here in the battlefield in this other area and the ark of the covenant's in Shiloh where Eli and his sons are at. Send somebody and get the ark of the covenant and bring it here and it will cause us to be victorious. You can read all that in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And when the ark came into the camp of the Israelites, it says that they shouted and cheered and, and had such a big old time that the ground shook. And then over here, the Philistines heard all this going on and said, oh my, the gods have come into their camp. And they got worried, but then they mustered up enough strength and said, well, we're going to fight anyway. And guess what happened? 30,000 Israelites died. The ark was captured, taken to the Philistine camp. The two sons of Eli died. And when the messenger went back to tell Eli what had happened, he fell over and broke his neck and died too. Relics have no power in our life. Even the very Ark of the Covenant, because they'd been sinning and not sought God and repented of their sins, it brought them most certain destruction. So don't put our trust in relics. They become idols to us. They didn't say that, well, let's pray and seek the Lord and repent and He'll bring us victory. You can read it there. It's worded. It says, and it will bring us victory. So God's not interested in our relics. The third thing is there's idols in the spirit world. The unseen realm. We've talked about things we can visibly see. <clears throat> what about the things we can sense or maybe kind of know are there, but we can't see them? It's no different. It can be an idol to us. Angels and spirits can become idols. People have a desire for communicating with supernatural things. You ever notice that? People want to interact with the supernatural. They make movies about it. Amen? Don't they? How many movies are, has Hollywood made about interacting with the supernatural? Movies about ghosts and spirits and angels and whatever the case may be. We have to remember that the Bible teaches us this about things in the unseen realm. <clears throat> Consulting with mediums, tarot cards, participating in seances, Ouija boards, Sorcery and black magic are ways that the people invoke evil spirits with the hope of interacting with dead people. The Bible, I believe it's in Isaiah, says, why would you seek the dead to, to, to govern or to help the living? But people do these kinds of things. Well, call up somebody such and such a spirit and let's interact with them. There's another dangerous thing that we do. You and I don't want to come in contact with an evil spirit aside from God's blessing. Because guess what? We're going to get whooped real good just like the Israelites did for messing around with that kind of stuff. Because it is real. There are evil spirits that you can conjure up and you can have conversation with, but I can tell you it's not going to end well for you. As a Christian, we have to just put all that stuff away. It's not part of our life. 
and fortune tellers, palm readers, soothsayers, diviners, and psychics. What do they all do? They falsely claim that they can predict your future because they can supposedly interact with the unseen world. Oh, I'm seeing something, and this person is saying, blah, blah. God strictly warned them, do not seek after these kinds of things. They'll become an idol to you. And why is God so upset? Because He wants us to seek Him in everything in our life. And if we start going and seeking some medium or some psychic or some person to try to help us go through life, we've eliminated God. And what have we done now? We've turned that person into our idol, our source of strength. We must remember that the Bible says God has a plan for our lives and will perform it in the proper time. We must utterly reject idols related to the unseen realm and seek the Lord to guide us each and every day. Amen. Listen to this out of Leviticus 19 and also 20. I'll read these two short verses. In Leviticus 19.31, God says this, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And in Leviticus 20 and 6, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. No laughing matter. No not serious thing to have idols in the unseen world. And the last two that I wanted to discuss this morning is we can have idols made from, or people be idols. Idols in the mirror, I like to call it. What do you see when you look in the mirror? You see yourself. There are people who are their best, who they're their, their biggest fan, right, is the person they see in the mirror. Aren't they miserable to talk to? Man, they're so caught up in their self and proud. But you can become an idol to yourself. By failing to honor God for everything in our lives, we become our own idol. This is true for believers and non-believers. Doesn't matter. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you might not turn yourself into an idol. To assume that our lives, our skills, and our destinies are our own is the sin of pride and results in us idolizing ourselves. Remember this from Colossians 1.16. For by Him, speaking of God, are all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. You were created for God. We were not created to go seek after mediums and spiritists and trust in our own works and trust in our own abilities. If you and I have abilities, it's because God has given us those abilities. Now, we have to practice and work and get better at them, but the fact that we can get better proves God has gifted us in that area. Amen? And then lastly is the idols on the stage. I called it, Michelle, I was telling Michelle yesterday, I said this little title come to me for this section. Idols on the stage, meaning the people we see in the public eye, the people we look at. First is false prophets. 
Think about this. After Jesus' time on earth, mankind slowly transitioned from worshiping handcrafted idols to following false teachings. You don't see too many people in the world today worshiping an actual idol. I think Buddhists, they, Buddhist people still do. They, they go and they sit before a, a carved statue of a Buddha. Sometimes they have them in their house, a little small representation. Those are false gods. Those are not to be part of the Christian life. But for the most part, people just follow false teachings nowadays. Most of these false teachings begin with a person claiming to hear a new message from God. Think about that. Muhammad, all these people that started all these weird religions, even part of them supposedly part of Christianity. Oh, God visited me and he said this, this, and this. Problem is, is it contradicts what God's already spoken. These same people are then idolized because of their supposedly or their supposed closeness with God. Oh, that person, they were with God. They heard from God. So even if it goes against this, this is new and fresh. We got to go with this. And those people become idols. The devil always plants the idea of copycat religions into the minds of biblically illiterate people. He tries to recreate the story of Jesus by raising up new prophets with similar teachings to those of Jesus. Since the Bible instructs us to offer the sacrifice of praise, we don't praise idols and, and false gods and, and, and little statues anymore like people used to, but we do heap praise on people, don't we? And the devil uses that against us. So since the Bible instructs us to offer the sacrifice of praise, the devil causes people to put their trust in false prophets and praise them as someone sent by God. Oh, this is someone sent from God. Muslims even revere Muhammad to the point where they don't even call him by his name. They just say the prophet like he was something great. Just a copycat. Amen. To be rejected. These false prophets become idols in the eyes of those who they deceive. And we should reject all of these idols, even if they call themselves Christians. In Galatians 1 and 8, the Apostle Paul wrote this, If we, meaning the apostles, or an angel from heaven, come to you and preach any other gospel than what we've already taught you, let that person be accursed. Don't listen to them. Don't let them become an idol to you. Then we have those that's in the public eye. <clears throat> in our society, celebrities, dignitaries, sports stars, and entertainers receive high praise from the general population. Why is that? You ever thought about that? People who pretend to be somebody else, yet we give them so much clout in our life. Well, let's see what their opinion is. They're a master at pretending, so let me ask them how I should live my life. Let me get their advice. Or somebody can dribble a basketball or throw a football or box another guy into oblivion, right? Why do we seek these people and look to these people as our heroes? I don't understand that. Why is it? Because God knew that man would do this and the devil uses that against people to try to idolize these people. Oh man, you should have seen what... That guy did last night. Was it really that big a deal? I don't know. 
These famous people have become idols in modern society. People heap praise upon them to the point of it, that it becomes sickening. Sometimes you can't even listen to a football game that if there's a certain guy playing in that game, you can hear the announcers. I mean, I'm just my, sometimes in my mind I'm thinking, why don't y'all just pan the camera to you guys and y'all bow down and worship them? Because they're so great and they're so wonderful. They're playing a game. Yeah, it takes skills. Yeah, it takes hard work. But so does everybody going to their job every day. <laughs> you know, why do we worship these people and pay them millions and millions of dollars to do it? Doesn't make sense to me. A common thing to hear is this, and you, you're all going to know this. Well, who's the greatest? Man, they, people, there are people who have talk shows who spend their whole week debating who is the greatest basketball player ever lived. Well, was it this guy or was it this guy or was it this guy? Well, this was a different era. We don't know. Blah, and just back and forth and on and on. Why? Why does it matter so much? Why do we want to be the ones to anoint another human being as the greatest at something? It's because we want to worship something. Because we want to worship somebody. You know the problem with that is? In every generation, they all have an idol that was the greatest. My granddad would talk about and would tell you that back in the 50s, I believe, in 60s it was, that there was a boxer named Sugar Ray Robinson. And everybody said, oh, he's the greatest that ever lived. Then in the late 60s and early 70s comes along Muhammad Ali, and he declared himself to be the greatest, right? I am the greatest, he said. And now you've got guys in my age in the 80s and the 90s and stuff who said, no, I could have beat that guy. He wasn't as good as me. I'm the greatest, right? Why do human beings have this insatiable desire to anoint somebody as the greatest? Because we want to praise them, and we want to honor them. That's not a good thing, is it? Some of them are even referred to as the king in their area of expertise. Remember, I, don't, I didn't know the man. I just know the stories that I've told, been told. But you know, Elvis Presley was referred to as the king of rock. He's the king. He could sing. He could dance. Some people thought he could sing really well and dance really well. I don't know. I guess it depends on what you like. But he was a human being. He wasn't the king of nothing. He died. He had no power to do nothing for you. Amen? These people, the problem is that these people eventually get old, their skills diminish, and then they die. How can you be the greatest at something if you got beat? Everybody gets beat a time or two, right? But yet they turn around and say, whoa, I was making an excuse. Why isn't this desire in humanity to anoint someone as the greatest of anything? Then someone comes along, breaks all their records, and then a new idol's born. Amen. Therefore, it continues in every generation. People praising people for their skill sets or their position in the world. The line between admiration and worship is easily crossed. Jesus was not happy when the disciples became bogged down in the argument over who was the greatest among them. Even Jesus' disciples had this argument. Who's going to be the greatest among us? 
And Jesus said the greatest will be the one who's the most humble. Amen. And lastly, those that are up on the stage can be done even among Christians. We can have idols that are Christians. We must carefully honor those who are worthy of honor without dishonoring God. It's a very easy line to cross. We need to beware that putting people on a pedestal and may, of making them an idol. Remember that if anyone does any good in the name of the Lord, it will be because the Lord did it through him. You and I have no power to do anything in ourselves. Amen. It's something good to remember as we get ready to close. We have no power in ourselves to do anything. And this, is a, this was one of the strangest statements that Jesus ever said, but it ties in with this perfectly. Jesus would not allow people to call Him good while He was here on earth. He said that in three of the Gospels, but I'm just going to read you the one out of Mark chapter 10 and verse 18. So Jesus, some guy had called Jesus good, and Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Don't put me on a pedestal because I'm just a human right now. I'm in the flesh. I could be manipulated. I could be harmed. I could bleed. I could even die. So Jesus said there is one good. And that is God in heaven. Hallelujah. So we have to be careful even idolizing Christian people who've done good things for us. And remember that even Jesus said, I'm not good. The Father in heaven is good. Amen. Amen. As we close this morning, may you and I as Christians make Jesus the object of our worship. Amen. May we not have any idols in our lives. I've mentioned in brief here, which just took a little longer than I thought, but several areas here where we can see that idols do exist in our world today. May we shun vain superstitions and instead seek the Lord in all things. He can change circumstances. They came to the Red Sea and the odds were stacked against them. Naturally speaking, there was nothing they could do. There was nowhere to go. The enemy was bearing down on them from the rear. But God changed that circumstance. It had nothing to do with their horoscope. When they were born or what day they were born, God said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And Moses stretched his rod out and the water parted. Hallelujah. God is God and nobody else. So let us not seek vain superstitions, but the Lord in all things. Let us not seek comfort through earthly relics, but seek the comfort of the Holy Spirit as we navigate through life. Amen. May the Lord and Him alone be the object of our worship. And may you and I together, as a group and as individuals, always obey the second commandment to not have any idols in our life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we have delivered... Thy word unto your people. Hallelujah. Many good things you have shared with us today, Lord. We give, all, we give all the credit to you. These were your ideas, not mine. And so, Father, we just look to you today. God, if something here has struck a nerve with us and caused us to see that maybe we had turned something in our life into an idol, let us cast it away this very moment. 
If we go home today and it's there, let's throw it in the trash, whatever the case may be, that we may obey the second commandment with all our heart, soul, and strength. That we may not have any idols or any graven images of people or things or earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, whatever the case may be. Let us not look to any of these things as our source of strength, but let us look unto you, the God of all creation, who spoke all things into existence and who gave us his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for our sins. Help us to seek the comfort of the Holy Spirit that only comes through receiving Jesus as our Savior. Help us not look to earthly things and idols, but to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We ask these things today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you go with each and every one today. Keep them safe in their appointed travels, and their appointed work and things that they do this week. Keep them safe from all things and all hidden dangers and help them to walk in accordance with the second commandment today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.